Welcome to the Wonderful Leaders Podcast, a place for Christian entrepreneurs and leaders to be encouraged and inspired to grow in your personal and organizational leadership. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Wonderful Leaders Podcast. And I have a special guest, Catherine D'Souza. Catherine and her husband, Dominic, are the senior leaders of City Church Cardiff. She is a national, national, it could be a national treasurer, but she's also a trustee director of Tear Fund, a member of the Evangelical Alliance Council, and is Kyrian Network's national leader for Wales. Catherine co-chairs the Elim Justice Forum and serves on Elim's regional team for Wales. In her spare time, she lives in Cardiff and has two daughters, age four and two. So welcome, Catherine. Thanks so much. And I'm delighted to be introduced as a national treasure. There we go. <laughs> if you didn't think so, you heard it here first. <laughs> well, aside from being a national treasure, tell us a little bit about yourself and, you know, the many facets of what your leadership life looks like. Yeah, brilliant. Well, thanks so much, Dan. It's great to be here. Um, as you've said, I'm a pastor. I've got the privilege of leading a, a multi-generational, multicultural church in the centre of Cardiff and um, and involved in a, a number of other areas too. And my background is a kind of mixture of uh, church and charity sector. And so I think my leadership life tends to reflect that experience. I'm, I'm passionate about communication. I love leadership development, developing leaders. Um, and I'm really passionate about equipping the church to, to challenge injustice and transform society. And as you said, I'm a mum to two daughters who are absolutely brilliant. And so life is full and fun. <laughs> Excellent. So you've just mentioned, obviously, you know, the, the, the cross between church and charities and lots of different organisations. How did how did that journey begin? Because that's, you know, you, you do quite a diverse set of things at the moment. So tell us a little bit about your maybe, maybe your more formative years. Yeah, well, you know, going right back to the start, leadership was... Um, encouraged in me from quite a young age really my mum was really instrumental in that and she she saw leadership in me and encouraged me and so um, leading has always felt quite natural to me and and you know fast forward a little bit to adulthood I've worked with some brilliant people I remember when um, I was in one of my kind of earlier jobs in the charity sector and I asked my boss at the time what what did he look for when he recruited people and he said he looked for people who would become better than him and so he wasn't interested in hiring workers he was hiring leaders and that's always really stuck with me I think and was quite quite formative um, and I came to faith when I was uh, 25 so I started following Jesus when I was 25 and and I, I had a real sense you know God really spoke to me about the fact that this leadership gifting um, that was in me was from him and and would be used for God's glory and for the advancement of the kingdom and so um, when I was a young Christian, I was leading in the workplace, but but also I was part of a church where um, people recognised leadership in me very quickly and gave me opportunities to lead and to grow. And so I'm really grateful for that because I think that's had quite an influence on on my leadership going forward. That's really interesting. And, and do you so do you feel like you know you had that sense of leadership even uh, it's a pre-faith even from growing up? You feel like there was something that was in you? Yeah, I really, really did. And I think you know, as I said, you know, having 
having my mum, um, you know, identify and recognise and support and encourage that in me. You know, the right. old, you've, I'm sure you've heard the whole thing of, you know, girls get called bossy, you know, and stuff. And I, I was never called bossy at home. You know, I was I was called a leader. I was called, you know, you're, you're influencing, you're, you're tenacious, you're determined, you're what, whatever it was. And, and then, you know, continuing into studying and, and then the workplace. Um, and I think, you know, it's really... Uh, reminded me and, and uh, gives me a, a good passion for identifying leadership in other people, how important it is to have it called out, you know, that we recognise leadership in people and we call it out of them, even when they might be young or even when they might be early on in their leadership. That's brilliant. That's so important. And, and I kind of, in the back of my mind, I was kind of hoping you were going to go there because it, it sounds like it's, the, you know, with you, it's that, it's that nature and that nurture, yeah. you know, and I think so many younger leaders, you know, have got it in their nature but they're not nurtured in it you know they mm. kind of so you do end up being a little bit wayward or being called you know labels with things that you're not but it's not been nurtured in you yeah um, so good. And, I, and I think that's really really important so but thank you for sharing that now I'm going to literally fast forward to where we sort of stand now which is you know we're going to go from the beginnings to, to where we are now but you know, it's want to just cover off you know the pandemic in the last 18 months and we try not to talk about it too much in this podcast because it's you know it's a bit of a boring topic of conversation nowadays except for how do we rebuild you know how do we kind of from what you're involved with the different organizations with the church with leaders you work with how do you sort of see rebuilding you know how can leaders rebuild in a healthy way coming through the pandemic yeah you know, I mean, like you said, this this um, topic has been talked about and we we all know this is, last 18 months has been really hard and it's been really hard for leaders. Um, but I, I really firmly believe that we need godly leaders now more than ever. And we need right. women and men who are filled with the spirit, who are leading in the church and leading in the marketplace. But we need those leaders to be healthy. And I think often when we're thinking about developing our leadership or developing leadership in others, we think about things like, um, team management skills or how do we communicate vision well um, but but because we've been made as whole beings we need to think about developing healthy leadership into every aspect of our lives and so I think there are three priorities for us when it comes to rebuilding healthy leadership and they're uh, calling connection and compassion um, calling because if there's ever a time that has caused leaders to question their leadership, it's the pandemic. Right. Um, and, and part of maintaining healthy leadership is being clear on our calling as a leader. And you know, you, you, everybody's calling requires different priorities and different emphases and different seasons. And sometimes leading can feel like a, a mountaintop experience. And sometimes it's a valley experience. And in the mountaintop times, it's easy to remember what you're called to do. It's easy to remember you're calling to leadership. But actually, it's in the valleys that we really need the Holy Spirit to remind us that bit more. Um, Romans 12 tells us that in the body of Christ, we're all given different gifts. And for some of us, we're given the gift of leadership. And so in, in seasons that are hard and challenging, we've got to remember that we're called to leadership and that calling is a gift from God. And leading is something that we do in partnership with God. So calling, uh, connection, connection to God, which is our first priority. I'm always encouraging leaders to, to plan to adapt when it comes to maintaining healthy connection with God. You know, it sounds like a contradiction, but what I mean is, you know, seasons change and things are different. And what our, our time with God and intimacy with God looks like, we'll, we'll need to adapt depending on the season that we're in. But we always need to be real. We always need to be vulnerable. But also leadership was never meant to be done in isolation. And 
uh, so much um, I hear that, you know, loneliness is way too common amongst leaders. And so if we're going to rebuild healthy leadership. We've, we've got to make sure that we're connected to people and that we find people we're connected to that, you know, those people who, you know, they're not just connected to you because you're a leader or what you can do for them, but they love you and they, they care for you and they want to be in relationship with you. And so um, that connection is really important. And then thirdly, compassion, compassion for ourselves. Um, leaders are often our own worst critics. And, um, but yeah, you know, I think we need to really prioritize and invest in our own well-being and not leave it too late to rest. You know, I've, I've really been reminded over the pandemic of the importance of a Sabbath rest, you know, because right. I, I know my personalities, I can easily default to just keep going, keep going. There's too much to do, but God calls us to pause and to rest and, you know, and to have that compassion for ourselves that we know that it is important in, enough that we invest in our own well-being, you know, that we, we rest our minds and our bodies, you know, which for leaders can be a real challenge, but actually is, is absolutely essential. And so, yeah, I think this, this idea of kind of rebuilding what leadership looks like in a healthy way is really important. No, that's excellent. Thank you. That's brilliant insight. And just to sort of ask you a sort of personal question within that then is that something you've been you found yourself that you've you've had to do more you know more be more intentional with during the pandemic or is that something you've you've noticed your leaders have needed it more is it has it been more of that or has it been rediscovering that how's that look because i know different leaders have found themselves sort of on different stages of that journey i think for some it feels like they've discovered their soul for the first time in years for others it's been you know, a bit more liberating because they've had a bit more time, a little bit more time to look after themselves. You know, how would you say that you and your teams have been on that journey? Yeah, I mean, you know, when I'm talking about that kind of the importance of healthy leadership and those, um, you know, the calling connection and compassion, I'm, I'm definitely not just talking theoretical. This is, you know, personal experience as well as um, the experience of some of the people that are um, that I lead that, you know, having to rebuild some of this stuff and invest again in the priority of leading in a healthy way um, has actually been really important. So, yeah, definite personal experience. <laughs> Brilliant. I am um, just as a little uh, anecdote. I um, kicked off a, a mentoring group last night with a, with a bunch of CEOs that I'm working with, Christian CEOs, and um, we get we did some introductions we get to it and they thought i was going to share some big kind of strategy with them and i just said uh, how are you i asked them that one-to-one -one and i it, it took ages to get answers out of everyone it really did because i think you know you can so easily get into the works mode and the work of the ministry and you know you forget about the lord of the ministry <laughs> you forget about yeah. who it's for so um yeah it took us about a half an hour last night but we got there yeah, got so good. just simple question how are you, you know, how are yeah. you? you know how are you as a person not your business not your finances not your strategy not your ministry how are you as an individual yeah and yeah. Uh, that's the question i'm not sure we ask ourselves enough you know or let god breathe his fresh you know zoe life into us enough in that area so but i love that that's really good we need to move on otherwise we're going to get stuck here so i'm going to ask you a, a kind of a bit of a bigger question really and you know this this isn't a counseling session, but you you feel free to use the time wisely or start charging double time after an hour. <laughs> but what's um what have been some of those sort of big leadership hurdles that you've you've overcome on, on, on your journey? Yeah, I mean, just carrying on really from what we've been talking about, this this last year and a half have definitely been the hardest time in my leadership. Um back in May 2020, I lost my mum to the effects of COVID. Um, and so navigating leading a church through the pandemic while also grieving was 
completely uncharted territory for me. Um, and so actually, you know, it, it, what I was saying about the kind of, I'm not just talking theoretically when it comes to about building and rebuilding healthy leadership, this is, this is personal experience. Um, you know, th this was real for me for the last 18 months. Um, I think the other thing that I've experienced, and I would call it both a challenge and a blessing in my leadership journey is um, sometimes being the first woman in some situations. And so in the church that I lead at the moment, I'm the first female senior leader in its 90 plus year history. I'm the first woman on the church's eldership team in its 90 plus year history. Um, and, and this has really prompted me to do, I think, all I can to make sure that even when I'm the first, I'm definitely not going to be the last. I, I really believe that there's a responsibility on those of us who are leading and, and sometimes will be the firsts in our situations to, to make the path smoother for those who are going to come after us, um, to make sure there's room for women at every level and in every sphere and, and that, that we're not just the only ones at the table, you know, and so even when we're, we're the first, we definitely won't be the last. Excellent. Now, just kind of that segues nicely into the next question. But, it, you know, again, it's, it's needs unpacking a little bit. You know, when it comes to then, you know, you're the first elder, you know, female elder in the church, first female senior pastor, and now you're promoting diversity in teams and platforms. And, you know, you've got different, you know, you, you speak at different areas. You've got different leadership structures. What do you see then as some of the main challenges for for the next generation of leaders coming up or those coming up after you? Or, you know, what, what do you see as some of the sort of hurdles they might have to overcome? Yeah, I think, you know, two key challenges, I think, when it comes to promoting diversity and, you know, whether it's teams or platforms or structures, um, are lack of vision and lack of intention. And so I think it's really important that if we're, if we're committed to promoting diversity, that we, we've got a vision of where we're aiming for. So a vision of what could be, what does true representation look like in that conference lineup, in that leadership structure, on that platform? What does true representation and, and genuine diversity look like? And then we've got to be intentional about it because once we've got a vision for something, it's not just going to happen by accident. You know, there's been a lot of years of lack of diversity in lots of sectors. And so yeah. just saying that we want it to be different isn't enough. Um, I think the other thing that's a challenge to promoting diversity is um, a phrase that people use that I think is problematic. And I think this phrase is something that whenever diversity is talked about, you know, on, on platforms or on teams or in leadership, there's this phrase that can sometimes just shut down any conversation. And it sounds like this, as long as they're appointed on merit alone. It's this phrase that often gets brought up in these kind of conversations around diversity. And it's often accompanied by statements around making sure that someone's actually qualified for the role, that there aren't just a point, they're not just appointed because they're a woman or because they're somebody from the global majority. And actually it can sound quite convincing because after all, who, who wants to be appointed to a role or given an opportunity based on anything other than their merit, anything other than calling or ability. But here's why I think there's a problem with this phrase. In, in a UK context, in, in some sectors, um, many leadership structures and teams and platforms and conference keynote speaker lists have a majority of white men. And so when we're making statements about appointing women or people from the global majority on merit alone, it implies that their absence is because of lack of merit. It's giving the impression that the reason so many teams and platforms are, are not diverse is because there's simply not enough gifted women or black or brown people that deserve to be there. 
But the idea that everyone gets the roles they deserve and anyone not in these roles um, uh, mustn't deserve them is naive at best. And I think, yeah. you know, it's so important that we don't insult those who are currently underrepresented in so many areas by implying that it's their own lack of gifting or calling or anointing or suitability that's prevented them from certain roles. Because the reality is that there are so many factors, whether it's um, lack of opportunities to be mentored, whether it's um, existing networks or circles of influence, or lack of opportunities to demonstrate skills or unconscious biases or even wrong theology that can work to prevent people from fulfilling their callings. And so we can't pretend that there's this level playing field to start with where anyone, regardless of race or gender, has equal access to the same opportunities. And so I think if we're going to overcome these kind of challenges, um, we need to have a clear vision of what true diversity and representation looks like. And then we need to be intentional about seeing it fulfilled. And we need to stop using the phrase about they've got to get there on merit alone. <laughs> I wonder how many people are listening to this thinking, oops, better stop yeah. using that phrase. <laughs> but I love that about the intentionality because, you know, you do, I mean, you know, we are possibly coming to an environment where at least it's spoken about more. You know, we're more aware of it, more aware of the need for diversity, more aware of the shifting sort of leadership structures. And, mm. But the intentionality, the genuine intentionality to raise and release a generation of diverse leaders that are there because God wants them there and they've been trained yeah. and equipped and empowered to be there is different from speaking about it, you know, around, right. that, around that space. Now, that's excellent. That's really good. And, you know, one of the things that I personally loved about doing these podcasts in this particular series it's just hearing everyone's story about how how they've got there along that journey and how you know so what you just said you've had to pioneer this you know the first female elder first female senior pastor in the church so now you've broken through that ceiling you know you've you've sort of paved that way that genuine mm. pioneering way so i don't know I'm maybe naively hoping that all these people that i've spoken to the last few months are going to be the pioneers of a next whole generation coming through yeah, come on. You know, because it probably wasn't like this five, 10, 15 years ago. You know, so from the stories I've been hearing. So yeah, I'm excited. That that's a that's a really good answer. I really like that. Um moving more on to kind of um I suppose more different leadership styles and different models you might you must have seen over the years. You know, you worked in many different organizations or been involved with many different organizations, churches, charities over the years. Tell us a little bit around sort of models of leadership and sort of suppose leadership styles that you've seen and, and, and things that you think do work, don't work. You know, how, how do you have a natural leadership style? How do you sort of function generally as a leader as well? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've had the privilege of experiencing um, quite a range of, of leadership styles around me. And um, although, you know, you mentioned about models of leadership, although I've seen some different models of leadership, I'd actually really love to see more models of leadership being exhibited. And, um, I think there are actually some misconceptions when it comes to leadership uh, at times. And one of the things is that the only model of leadership um, is the lone ranger who kind of battles through challenges all by themselves and comes up with all the ideas and comes up with all the strategy and they don't need anybody else apart from, you know, a couple of people to just do the work on the ground and maybe grab them a coffee at some point. Um, but actually, there are other models of leadership out there. And so um, my husband and I, for example, we operate a co-leadership model. Um, and now I think there's there's still some work to do on helping people understand co-leadership, particularly in the church, um, because sometimes I think what people think it means is that he leads the church and I support him in the background and maybe do a little bit of women's ministry or something. But that's not actually our model. You know, we we co-lead the church, we we lead the team together, we set vision and develop strategy together and we lead alongside each other. 
Um, and this means that, you know, we can operate uh, each in our primary giftings. It, it allows for acceleration of our mission. Um, it gives us a capacity to specialize in particular areas as well. Uh, and it also means, of course, that our church gets to have a, a male lead pastor and a female lead pastor. And so um, I really think that there are a number of models of leadership out there, but I'd actually love to see more room being made for them to operate rather than us only ever thinking that there's this one model that is leadership and nothing else can exist. I love that. That, that sort of model you talk about, co-leadership, have you read many books on it? Have you read, have you seen many resources on that? Um, not a huge amount, although um, I must say there is a, a recent book out that, that talks about a range of, of models of leadership and, um, uh, and does talk a little bit about co-leadership and co-partnering. And, and there are resources out there in terms of, um, you know, people like CBE, Christians for Biblical Equality, who will talk about, you know, men and women leading alongside each other. Um, but, you know, uh, you're right to ask the question, because actually a lot of leadership resources will be aimed at the idea of the kind of one pioneer. Um, and whilst that is a, a, you know, a great model of leadership, it's not the only model not of leadership. Yeah. Yeah, love that. And I, and I love the, just the way you're unpacking the fact that you know, it's not a right or wrong. It's not yeah. and or it can be an either both. Exactly. Scenario. And, you know, and is God really that much in a box where it has to be the, the one model of leadership because that's what God spoke for? Yeah, um, so good. No, I think that's brilliant. And what, so one of the other things about your leadership that we sort of read as we were sort of, you know, before the podcast was that your passion for sort of challenging injustice and your passion for justice, how, how, does, how does that manifest itself? You know, is that, some, is that something that flows through or is it something you, you speak about? Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, uh, as you picked up, you know, I'm passionate about um, justice and, um, and I think, you know, anybody who is who is passionate about justice and is leading, um, it, it has to flow through into your leadership because, of course, you know, the pursuit of justice is, is something that goes through the whole of your life. You know, it's, it's about living justly, not just kind of um, that I can hang up my justice hat at five o'clock and, you know, and, and the rest of the time not really be bothered about it. Um, and so, yeah, I love I love speaking on it and and teaching on this and inspiring um, people around kind of you know what biblical justice looks like and how we as uh, followers of Jesus can live out God's justice and to bring about His justice in the world. Um, I think you know in terms of my my own passion for justice, I think it, it impacts my leadership style. Um, I think it impacts some of the ways that I've grown as a leader. Um, I definitely think, you know, two of the requirements, if you're a leader who is passionate about justice, two requirements are a, a thick skin and a soft heart, you know, because right. um, actually, you know, you, you, if you're going to pursue justice, you're going to have to have some determination because you will get pushback and challenge and questions. And, um, and so developing a thick skin and keeping on going and responding to, to God's call to pursue justice for us to do justice. Um, is really key but we can't allow that thick skin to harden our hearts and so you know the combination of having a thick skin and, and soft heart so that you're still allowing God to work in your heart and and that you're still moved by the injustice in the world and have compassion for people and so um, it, it's it's a balancing act to to keep going with the thick skin and soft heart and yet I think it's really essential if you're a leader who is passionate about justice. Brilliant thank you for that it's really excellent. So, you know, you, you kind of spoken a little bit there about, you know, what's going on inside of you in terms of that passion for justice and how that, how that kind of helps you to lead. What would you say 
are some of those leadership keys that God has given you in your life? You know, those things that you hold on to, those things that are, you know, that, that are really precious to you. Yeah. So um, one of the things that I learned a while ago that is is really significant in in making sure that leadership is sustainable um, is to do stuff that energizes you. You know, I think right. both both in your personal life and in your leadership that, you know, being self-aware enough that you understand what are the things that drain you and what are the things that energize you and actually looking at your week and looking at your month and looking at your you know, the things that you're involved in and making sure that you've got enough stuff that that give you energy, that, that are life-giving for you. Because I think without that, if we end up with doing stuff, you know, too much stuff that drains us, this is how we can end up just burnt out or, you know, not not um, able to sustain our leadership journey. Um, I think, you know, another key that I've really learned is is about finding your own style, you know, finding your own style. And that, and that comes out in, you know, what rhythm of life you've got, what your capacity is. Um, I really thinks it's so important for us to learn from others but it's really important that we lead um as we've been made to lead you know as as you've been designed to lead um and then thirdly i would say never stop learning you know i'm i love learning and uh, i always want to make sure that learning is something that i um relish or that i enjoy it's not something that's a chore i have to do this you know in order to to do this this and this um, because leadership isn't meant to be static, is it? It's meant to be something where we're growing. And, and so never stop learning, I think, would be a, a real key for me. Brilliant, brilliant. Love those. And a final couple of questions, Catherine, as we sort of come to land. Um, what leaders do you look up to or have you looked up to and, and what leaders have you learned from? Yeah, I think it's a great question. Um, I'm, as I said, I'm, I'm a, a big fan of learning and so I'm always looking to learn. Um, and I think, you know, I, I feel like I've learned from leaders in history, you know, and through reading. So people like uh, William and Catherine Booth, who founded the Salvation Army or um, the prison reform, Elizabeth Fry. Um, but also, of course, living people who are around me, um, a good friend of mine. Kat Osborne, um, we used to live together and work together and she's now CEO of a, a national charity. And one of the things that I really love about her leadership that I feel I've really learned from is it's, it's so authentic. Um, I know her well enough to know that she leads as herself. You know, um, I'll give you an example of one of those, you know, she, she holds her staff conference um, and she she likes to get involved in the catering because she absolutely loves cooking. Right. Um, and it's just, you know, she's just leading out of her authentic self because that's one of the ways in which she can demonstrate care and love to her team is by cooking for them, you know. And um, and also, you know, I, 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 my husband and I, we, we're regularly learning from each other. You know, we've got lots of similarities, but we also have plenty of differences. And um, and we just find it's always good for us to be learning both with, but also from each other. Excellent. Uh, that's really good. And uh, I'd hope my wife could say the same thing about me. I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> let's move on anyway. Well, final question, Catherine. Um, sort of looking back, I mean, you're still young and, you know, I'm sure you've got a you know, long leadership journey to go. But looking back on your life and leadership journey so far, what's one piece of advice you'd give your younger self? Yeah, um, I think the piece of advice that I would give to my younger self is to choose carefully which voices you listen to. I think right. in the life of a leader, there are a lot of voices. You know, a lot of people are going to try and tell you how to lead, what kind of leader you should be, what kind of things you should be focused on. Um, and so one of the things that I'd say to my younger self is make sure you listen to the right voices. And there's some that you're going to need to turn the volume up on and some that you might need to turn the volume down on. But God will help you with that discernment. Brilliant, brilliant. Thank you, Catherine. And just a shameless plug, if um, anyone's listened to this in the, in and around the Cardiff area, 
you know, we've got a website for the church and the ministry. Yeah, citychurchcardiff.com. Brilliant. Anything you want to plug whilst you're on here? Oh, you can check out my uh, blog site, dominicandcatherine.com as well. Dominicandcatherine.com. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Look at that. No surnames needed. Just <laughs> like that. Excellent. Catherine D'Souza, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast and thank you for being a guest. Thanks so much, Dan. Great to be here. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Wonderful Leaders podcast. To be part of the community, join our close Facebook group and follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Simply look us up at Wonderful Leaders and we'll see you there.